What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you talking golf, and uh, we haven't been together too much over the last couple months with the break in the short off season and then the Ryder Cup last week. Uh, and obviously, you know, Noto and I are uh, big golf fans, and uh, it certainly had plenty of conversation about the Ryder Cup, and uh, we'll uh, we'll do a little bit of looking back at that here at the start of the show. But uh, I am Justin Van Zuden, STL Cardinals 84. I've got, uh, as mentioned, Derek Farnsworth, a.k.a. Notorious, alongside. Noto, what's going on? Yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be back on a regular sleeping schedule. Um, were you able to make it through the night watching the Ryder Cup, or did you uh, wake up <laughs> No, I, I did wake up a little bit early. So uh, a couple of the days I woke up at like 4.30, uh, you know, a dog got me up or whatever. And then I just kind of watched it laying down for, you know, a couple hours before I got up. So caught most of it, except for the, the two, uh, you know, the first half of the two early morning sessions, but, uh, it was, uh, was a bloodbath there the first couple of days. Yeah. I was planning to stay up. Um, and then once, you know, two hours in, you know, both mornings, uh, us was just getting smoked. So I was able to get a little bit of sleep and then, uh, wake up to you know U.S. making charges in the afternoon, and unfortunately, wasn't uh, wasn't enough. Uh, they did make a run, you know, on Sunday with the singles, but uh, man, a uh, lot of lot of mistakes on the U.S. side, I think. Yeah, I don't think uh, Zach Johnson's uh, selections are going to be received very well. Uh, obviously, you know, hashtag results oriented, but uh, a lot of the decisions were just kind of head scratching. Uh, not having guys in there, you know, what you would think, uh, having guys playing four balls that you'd think would be better at foursomes and vice versa. But, uh, you know, it's easy to say that after you get waxed. But, um, you know, the captain selections at the very beginning, there was some question mark with those. And, uh, I mean, we talked about it for a couple months that the odds were just crazy, uh, cr- too crazy high on the Euro side. And uh, so at least won a little bit with that and uh, betting the European team to win outright when they were like, plus 165 a couple months ago and that wasn't even as you know it was higher than that for a while and then by the time they teed off on friday morning it was basically a pick them so uh, but i certainly didn't expect it to be you know basically four zero by the time i woke up the first day so strange um you buying anything into the u.s team kind of being fractured or is that kind of a a media thing i know there's been a lot kind of being made of that over the last couple of days well, the European team certainly a lot closer. They don't mind playing with anybody. You know, they go by the numbers, the analytics, they trust them. And uh, their captains say, hey, this is why you guys are going to go out and win because you guys play well together, um, whatever it may be. And U.S. side is just buddy-buddy, and it doesn't matter if you play it bad or well. You're going to go out with your friend, and I don't know. And then now you obviously have the Cantlay, Xander stuff. Um, I don't really blame them for wanting to get paid for this, but can we not figure it out, like, year before six months before like everything happens the week of and i mean it's just really hard to go overseas and just uh you know get it done when there's just so much else going on around them it's just surprising with them too because they tend to play so well together in the team events and you know i get it in this day and age right and what pride for the country has become a different different definition of that i guess these days without getting political on anything here um, it's just, it's a different animal these days. And, and, you know, it's hard to say what's actually going on behind the scenes and people wanting to make a big deal out of can't lay not wearing the hat. I mean, 
I don't know. It feels a little bit manufactured, some of that stuff. And obviously there, there's price and friction in a few spots. But uh, the European team gets another win, so it'll have to be 34 years uh, for the uh, U.S. team to win on European soil uh, if they want to try it again in, uh, in 2027. So uh, I like the course, though. I thought that was a nice course uh, for, for a Ryder Cup type setting. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. If you hit a good drive, you're probably going to have a good birdie look. And if you didn't, um, you were going to be scrambling for par. So uh, I loved, uh, loved the course, loved how many risk-reward holes there were. Uh, U.S. just, man, that first day, European Europe was making everything. They were chipping in. They were holding long putts. And then there in the afternoon session, looked like the U.S. was going to get three points and three yeah, holes in a row. to get it, get it right back. Three holes in a row in 18. Just a long putt from Hovland, long putt from Victor, and then I think Homa missed a short one, and Rose made his. Uh, yeah, and that was a big swing, and then obviously the next morning didn't help either. Say it's been a pretty good three months for Victor Hovland. Um, it's just incredible the way that he's been playing golf, and you know I know he and Aberg dominated a few of the the, the doubles matches, but I mean Hovland was carrying that group. Uh, for the most part. So uh, impressive to say the least. Uh, and speaking of Aberg, he is the only player from the Ryder Cup rosters that is coming right back to uh, to tee it up again this week. And, and he's our most expensive golfer. So we'll get to him in a second. But uh, yeah, Europe ends up coming away with the victory. Any other takeaways uh, from your side that uh, you want to mention here before we shift gears? Uh, you mentioned Zach Johnson. You know, the, the pairings weren't great. The captain's picks weren't great. And the interviews were even worse. I mean, he just got smoked day one and saying how proud of he, how proud, you know, he is of his guys and then making an excuse that they're all sick. And then the morning, the next morning, saying nobody's sick, everybody's fine. And then it was just really weird. He just uh, didn't seem to, I don't know, just grasp the situation. Then he talked to Jordan Spieth out of hidden driver on the drivable par four. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, and then he took the three-wood, hit it right in the water. Um, just a lot of questionable decisions on his part. And also, I really wish the U.S. would play together in an event, kind of like Team Europe did with yeah. the BMW Championship, because most of the guys didn't play for five weeks or something like that. Yeah, and obviously that rust showed a little bit, and we had a few guys play the week before, but – uh, it was only what Homa and Thomas and Thomas, I think, played at the first uh, fall event and and then went over. So, yeah, just not a good week overall for for Zach Johnson and for the U.S. team. And uh, we'll see him run it back here in a couple of years and and see what happens then. So, uh, but for now, we need to turn our attention back to the DFS landscape, back to the fall swing. Uh, we've kind of we're going to get a little bit of a groove here with the next three four weeks. Uh, with the events that we're used to seeing around this time on the calendar. So uh, we've got the Sanderson Farms Championship this week. Used to be an event that was an alternate event next to like one of the WGCs back when those were a thing. Uh, but for the last three or four years here, the uh, Sanderson Farms has gotten its own status as its own event. Uh, but, you know, it tends to be held in this time frame right after the Ryder Cup, right after the President's Cup. Uh, to where we don't necessarily see the strongest field. Uh, it seems even a little bit weaker this year. Um, what do you make of uh, this field strength, and uh, and what do we have for a course this week? Yeah, well, the field strength isn't great. It is a lot of guys that uh, we've come to know over the years, a lot of guys who like the roster that are now <laughs> 9 and 10K. So uh, it should be fun. Uh, Mr. Gerg in the chat, you know, Jaeger Chalk Week, Jaeger Bombs Week. Um, certainly we'll talk about him shortly. 
But yeah, Country Club of Jackson, par 72, over 7,400 yards, so really long course. A lot of the holes are dead straight, and the fairways are pretty narrow, and there's not a lot of tree trouble. So you're going to see a ton of drivers. We've seen really good drivers of the ball win here in the past. Cam Champ, Sergio Garcia, Sam Burns. And I was looking at Data Golf's course fit tool, and I've never seen the little slider, you know, be so high on driving distance compared to driving accuracy. So definitely more of a bomber-friendly course. Uh, the greens are Bermuda grass. Scrambling's not too difficult. Pretty much got to make birdies. And much like a lot of these, uh, you know, swing season events, you're just going to make birdies, make putts. And uh, But I do think it's a good week for driving distance. Yeah, we've seen the winning score here every year be like 18 under or better, I believe. Um, you're probably going to see it get into the 20s this week, even with the the weaker field. I mean, this is always – but when it was an alternate event, it, it was, you know, an extremely weak field. So uh, you're just going to see lots of birdies, I agree, on maybe playing the bomber angle, angle the birdie maker angle this week, uh, guys that are in good form. I mean, uh, it's uh, just going to be make birdies or go home. So – uh, trying to get as many guys through the cut this week as possible is definitely paramount uh, and uh, should be a fun week getting back into our normal uh, fall swing. So uh, totally agree on the metrics there, and uh, we can probably go ahead and start diving in. Uh, we've only got four golfers above 10K on DraftKings this week, and it starts with Aberg. I suppose we can talk, but it's not like we've got – we're not going to have like 90 viable guys this week. It's uh, The pool does get pretty thin towards the bottom, so – uh, we can take our time, I guess, going through these top ranges. Uh, and it starts with Aberg. So interesting, obviously, coming off the high of that uh, Ryder Cup victory. Right now, we've got him projected as the highest owned golfer in the field. Uh, obviously, you know, he's going to grade out well in terms of if you just take the the, the circumstantial stuff out of it. Um, what do you make of, of Aberg in this spot? Well, if we didn't play in the Ryder Cup last week, I think it'd be a perfect course for him. Um, just mentioned driving distance being a, you know, a big deal this week, and he's obviously been in great form. But, uh, man, it's hard for me to click that button at that ownership. Uh, I got to think he partied pretty hard with the rest of Team Europe after their win, and now he has to travel halfway across the world, adjust to the time difference, show up to a course that he's never played before. He's talented enough to get it done, but I don't think I'm making him a priority myself. Yeah, same here. I would guess that that ownership will probably go down because I think that narrative is going to make the rounds this week. Um, you know, and I might be interested if he ends up in that 10, 12, 14% range, but that's, I mean, he's not going to get that low. We've got him at 32 now. Maybe you split the difference somewhere in there. He ends up in the, you know, mid 20s or something like that. Uh, but uh, that's still probably a little bit too steep for me given the, kind of letdown factor, the travel, the jet lag that'll probably set in, you know, you're playing in a part of the country where it's still going to be really hot. Um, and, and I guess you can, you know, make the narrative say whatever you wanted to say if you're trying to find excuses, but uh, I, I'm kind of lukewarm on Aberg this week. Uh, and again, it, you know, it's not like he was carrying Hovland. It was kind of the other way around for, for most of those uh, pairs matches last week. So that leaves us with uh, Cole, Grillo, and Jaeger as the 10K plus options. Never thought we'd kind of see Jaeger uh, in, in this mix uh, as basically, you know, one of the most expensive guys in the field. But, hey, we've been on uh, Team Jaeger on this show for, uh, for a couple years. So uh, it's paying off now. And Jaeger is 10.4K for, for the first time ever. So Jaeger, Cole, Grillo, who you got if you're not playing Aberg? Yeah, I like Jaeger quite a bit. Um, he's made 14 straight cuts. 
we've been rostering him for a couple years now. Um, he's a bomber. He's got really good irons as well. And uh, I did a show with Jason Sobel earlier today, and he was saying that they did an interview with Jaeger, and he circled this tournament uh, for one that he thinks he can win. So um, do with that what you will. Um, we kind of saw that work out with Matthew Fitzpatrick at uh, Harbor Town. Um, not that he's you know the same level player as Matthew Fitzpatrick, but I like the form. He's got two, no, three top 30s here in the last four attempts. And, yeah, I don't mind the price point. Certainly no issue with Grillo. Uh, my second favorite's probably Eric Cole. He's just a grinder, man. He comes out here. He competes every week. Um, even when it looks like he's going to miss the cut, he ends up battling back. He's been a top 30 machine. And this is one of those courses where driving accuracy doesn't matter that much, and that's really his only weakness. He's pretty much solid throughout the bag other than the driver. So uh, I do like Eric Cole quite a bit, but Jaeger is probably my favorite. Let's see. All right. Yeah, I'm pulling up uh, some of the data here myself. So if you want to go off course history, uh, Grillo, fifth year last year, has made the cut all four times. Uh, Jaeger, 26th and 30th the last two years. Uh, and I was really surprised when I looked, when it was looking kind of looking through the last season's worth of logs. Um, and, you know, I know we kind of joke about Jaeger here on the show and, you know, how he was kind of a, a pretty strong mid-range option for much of the summer. Uh, but I wouldn't have guessed, you know, without looking at the logs throughout the year, that he only had three missed cuts and 30 starts. That's real impressive. I mean, to be making the cut 90% of the time you're out there, nine top 25. So, um yeah, really good year for Jaeger last year, and uh, certainly wouldn't be surprised if he keeps that momentum rolling here into the fall swing. So uh, I think we're going to kind of rank those guys the same. Jaeger is my favorite as well. No problem with the other two, uh, but Jaeger would be the one that I would prioritize in here. Anything else on those top four guys? Don't think so. Um, I'm ready for, or not ready for Aberg to come out and just smoke <laughs> me again. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he has that hangover, um, whether it's a literal hangover or figurative one. Can you explain to me why Lucas Herbert is $9,600? <laughs> I know everyone feels overpriced, but why is this guy? I mean, why? My model certainly doesn't understand. Um, I have him as like the 23rd best option in the field. So, yeah, I'm not sure why. I don't know what he does well other than putt. And yeah, I don't have a I don't have a strong take on him. He, <laughs> right. he doesn't even have good course history. He missed the cut here in his only yeah. appearance. Yeah, so we're out on Herbert. Um, that that one's fairly straightforward. Uh, Noto was the Bo Hostler whisperer a few weeks back, and uh, I, I've got a ride. So a couple of my guys in this tier. It's been far too long since I've liked Keith Mitchell in an event. Um, I was shocked that he's missed the cut here. The only two times he's played here, but you know, this is a great course for Keith Mitchell. He leads this field. He, if you just go off the 2022, 2023 stats, Mitchell leads this field in driving distance. Um, you know, he can sometimes get a little haywire, um, but that's not going to hurt you too much on this course. In theory, this is a great course fit for Mitchell, even though he's missed the cut the other two times he's been here. I hope that scares people away. So, uh, I'm in on Keith Mitchell this week. And then if you want to take my other guy, uh, the guy who leads this field in ball striking over the last 36 rounds and tee to green and strokes game total fifth off the tee, that's Doug Gim. So uh, the putter has been a little better and as in not horrible, 
so I'm going to stand by my two guys there. Uh, Mitchell more so than Gim, but we've got Gim as the lowest owned guy in the nine Ks. Uh, so I, I don't mind that, uh, but I really like Mitchell this week. So those are my two guys. I'll leave Bo Hostler to you if you want to uh, conduct that train again this week. But uh, I like Mitchell. I like Gim in the nine Ks. What are you looking at? Yeah, certainly no problem with either of those. I've seen a lot of smart people bet Mitchell this week. And then you mentioned the the ball striking for Doug Gim. He's kind of a you know a leading member of Team No Putt, which we are a big fan of. So um, I like those picks. I do like Hostler. Um, he's a guy with uh, plenty of distance, not very accurate, but that's not a big concern. And he's finally gaining strokes with the irons. I think he's gaining 3.7 strokes over his last two starts. So if that continues, uh, I do like him a bit. And then I think Adam Svensson is going to be pretty popular at 9K. He kind of, you know, checks the boxes in terms of all the stats and pretty good form coming in. I think he's got five straight top 40s with the, with the seventh place finish during that stretch. So I like him, but I do worry about him getting steamed up a bit. Not a ton of interest in uh, SH Kim. Do you have a take on him? Yeah, I don't. Uh, Svensson would be my third option in here. So SH Kim, I... Like you, I don't have a strong take one way or the other. I just like the other guys that I mentioned a little bit better. And I'll have some Svensson as well and can't play everybody in here. So, yeah, Kim probably gets squeezed out for me. Yeah, Sam. All right. Uh, let's see. And Svensson, we talked about him. I like him as well. Um, we go down into the 8K range. Uh, some interesting names in here. We can just kind of start at the top. Uh, you are also a lead conductor of the Mark Hubbard train most weeks. Uh, you got Alex Smalley in here, Tom Hoagie, Sam Ryder, K.H. Lee. What are you liking in here? Yeah, I like Hubbard, and it looks like three of us have him tagged in lineup HQ, which is a good sign. Uh, he's been in good form uh, in the summer and in the fall. T5 here last year. Um, he's not very good off the tee, but everything else is uh, elite. One of the best iron players in the field, really good short game. And uh, one of my favorite bets of the week as well. You can get him at uh, top 40 at BetMGM, minus 135. And they include ties in their top 40 bets, which uh, is not the case at any other book. So uh, I did place uh, a little wager on that. If anyone wants to join me. Other 8K options. Uh, ben Griffin at 8,400. Similar to Eric Cole. He's just one of those guys that um, I like taking in these weaker field events. Um, he's been pretty good on long par 72s. He made the cut here last year, T24. Who are some of the guys you like in this range? Yeah, not a lot in here for me. I, I think the 7Ks uh, I like quite a bit. Um, I'm with you on Team Hubbard, so we both have him tagged this week. I don't mind Alex Smalley, uh, but, I mean, those guys are at the top of the range. You're not getting a real discount there. Um, and then the next, you know, five or six guys, I don't have a whole lot of interest in Garrick Higo or Davis Thompson or Hodges here. So uh, to me, this is a range I will skip over um, a fair bit. Interested, though, potentially, I I mean, it, it, can Luke List make enough putts, uh, enough like four footers? In theory, if, if we're just going to take the bomber angle, like Luke List has to be able to be semi-competent this week, right? Mm, I like Lucas on on difficult courses where like minus eight is a good score. You know, you don't think he can make enough birdies to get to. I worry about the putter when the winning scores in the twenties. Um, but I yeah, worry the ball, about, I worry about the putter every week with him. But I just, I don't know. You mentioned you've never seen the slider down there so far for driving distance, so that just screams Lucas. Yeah, I mean, if you want to play him, I I get it. Um, 
he missed a cut here last year. Other than that, T26 in 2018. Uh, I just haven't played a lot of him since he won the Farmers a couple years ago. Um, but, yeah, I do like Davis Thompson a little bit. Um, he's been a little bit better of late, very long off the tee, good ball striker. And he's played here twice, made the cut both times. So a guy that I think he played here as an amateur once and then uh, T, uh, T67 last year. All right. Uh, and by the way, for those of you who happen to be watching us live, I know we don't get as many live viewers this time of year with football going on and uh, the Tuesday night taping and stuff. And a lot of you watch us on playback. I've been waffling back and forth on whether or not we should bring back the snake draft tonight. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't be able to do the 12 man. But if we get a six man, if you are watching us live and you would be interested in doing a snake draft tonight, uh, just post something in the YouTube chat so that I know that we can potentially get six people. Uh, I don't want to be waiting around for 20 minutes, you know, trying to see if we can fill one. So if you're interested, uh, put something in the chat. and We'll see if we want to bring that back. Still waffling until I see if we get any responses. Anything else above 8K? I guess I don't mind Davis Thompson, but uh, nobody that just kind of stood out as a as a wild play in that lower part of the 8K range for me. Yeah, I think that's it for me too. All right. Uh, we go to the upper part of the 7K range. Uh, we've got a lot of guys who were at some point good. Davis Riley was good for about four months one time. Alex Noren was pretty good once upon a time. Sam Stevens had a pretty good stretch during the summer. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes has been good, you know, off and on through the years. And uh, the, the Woos had a pretty good stretch during the summer. But nobody in this upper part of the 7K range or really else throughout the field here is super consistent. You're going to get some good. You're going to get some bad with these guys. Uh, who do you like in the upper part of the 7K range? Well, don't uh, don't leave out Nicholas Lindheim. Uh, he's been playing great. It's been mostly on the Corn Ferry Tour, but uh, yeah, battled some injuries the last couple of years. Played nine events this year, nine of nine with a win and four other top tens. And the one event that he did play on the PGA Tour, he gained 5.6 strokes with his approach. So I do like Lindheim quite a bit, 7,900. Looks like he's going to be pretty low on 2%. Um, that might come up because he is right now really well in data golf stuff and that tends to drive some ownership but uh yeah i like lindheim quite a bit alex noren rates out well but he's been so up and down um that worries me apparently this is a home game for davis riley um he's from mississippi i guess um so if you want to play that angle i don't mind it then i like dylan Wu. he's been really consistent over the last six months and maybe nate lashley as well I think Akshay is one of my favorites in this range. I'm surprised that the ownership isn't, I mean, he kind of tends to be a DFS darling, if you will. Um, and so the ownership under 10%, I think uh, he can get it out there off the tee as well. I think he's a really interesting tournament option. If that ownership kind of sticks, uh, don't mind Sam Stevens at 7,700. Agree with your call on Lindheim as well. I mean, this is the, so the, the fall swing is a little bit different now than it used to be, right? We used to have all these guys that had just got their cards and graduated up from the Corn Ferry Tour, and you'd see like, you know, 30 new guys in the field this week or 25 or whatever it was. But now the way they've redesigned it and they're going back to a calendar year schedule, um, this is mainly this portion of the schedule is just for the guys who finish like from 50 to 125 to improve their status. Um, again, you kind of need a flow chart to analyze this stuff, but we don't see quite as many 
like guys just up from the corn fairy tour at this time of the year compared to what we have in past seasons. Uh, for those of you that, that might be wondering about that. Um, as we kind of go further into the seven K range, um, 7,400, I think is a really interesting price point. My two favorites are going to be Nick Hardy and Peter quest. Uh, I know we're going to have some overlap here, but uh, Peter quest is another guy super long off the tee. I think this is a great course for him. Uh, Nick Hardy. I went and dug through Nick Hardy's summer results and his best tournament finishes were three top twenties at the rocket mortgage, the John Deere and the Byron Nelson. All three of those events had winning scores of 21 under par or better. And he was top 20 in all of those. So Nick Hardy tends to show up in these weaker field tournaments. Uh, so Hardy and quest are two of my favorites as we get to the middle to bottom part of the seven K range. Uh, what do you like in here? Yeah. To your point on Hardy, he rates out as the eighth best guy on easy par 72s over the last two years. So Definitely likes these easy courses. Um, I'm on board with Hardy. I like Peter Quest as well. Remember, he was like 9K in pretty decent fields a few months ago, and we were happy to play, pay for him. So one of the better drivers of the ball. Um, can be hit or miss. Not very good around the greens, but a uh, guy that can make a ton of birdies. And then I do like Callum Tarrant as well. Kind of a nice mix of course history and form. He finished T7 at the Fortinet a couple weeks ago, was T13 here last year and he's another bomber that makes a lot of birdies so those are my three favorites there who was that who was that guy you were just referencing there i didn't catch it callum Taren. oh okay yeah he's another guy that's been had some good results like the first part of last year then kind of tailed off for a while and got a little bit better later in the summer he tends to be pretty streaky very streaky one of my favorite showdown guys because he can go real low or uh <laughs> make a lot really of bad <laughs> yeah. um other people in that range, I like Kevin Yu. I think he'll be pretty popular. He was T19 here last year. If you look at his game log, he loses like five strokes putting a week, and then he'll just randomly gain seven strokes putting. It's very weird. Most bad putters, just it's like a slow bleed with the putting, but uh, he's got some spike weeks in there uh, in the positive direction, so I do like that. Anyone else in the 7Ks? Carson Young's always a name we like for cheap. Um, did you mention Buckley? No, I don't. He rates out well for me, though. Yeah, I think, I mean, but Buckley, we've got some ownership there as well. I don't mind him. Uh, Sam Bennett, I think, is probably my favorite when you factor in likely ownership in that range. You could go with some of the veterans, like, you know, you guys like Neesmith and Martin Laird, like, they can put up a couple low rounds here or there. Like, I, the, when you get down here, when you get below, like, 74, 70 i think you is pretty safe once you get below that though you're just getting a lot of risk reward guys which i think is fine in tournaments um i'd probably end like a single entry or cash game build probably 7300 at the lowest but i don't mind mixing in carson young neesmith you know laird robbie shelton even i mean i think these guys are like they can put together a few low rounds and it's it's all just gonna be about making birdies and getting hot um in at the bottom end this week so i don't mind some of those guys because it really thins out once you get below 7k um you just get some boy there's some blasts from the past down here this week uh you you have any conviction on anybody else i don't think so there's guys that 
project okay, but nobody that I feel good about clicking on. Yeah, I mean, I see your boy Kevin Kevin Roy in the field this week. Always, yeah. Um, you know the guy that always seems to pop in these hammer the ball and see what happens courses is Trey Mullinax. Um, yeah. How's he been lately? Yeah, he's been hit or miss. In the last two his last two trips here, he's got a T4 and a miscut. So that's probably about his range of outcomes. Uh, T4 or DFL. I mean, uh, the, those are both on the uh, family feud board for for Mullinax, uh, for sure. So I, I'll, he'll probably be the YOLO guy uh, in my player pool this week. He is uh, 6.9K. Uh, Will Gordon is 6,900. I see Hondizzle. Hondizzle always gives me a wild one every week to uh, to try to hunt down. Uh, he's got a tag on Henrik Norlander at 6,700. That's the one I wouldn't have expected this week. Um, let's see. I know Sobel doesn't mind Doc Redman as a, a bottom end play. So, I mean, those would be a couple of guys that you could potentially sprinkle into like mass multi-entry builds. But I don't really see a need to to get crazy down here. Uh, let's yeah. see. I'm with you. Uh, Brandon Matthews is like the third longest guy in the field, but he's missed seven of his last eight cuts. So not great. Yeah. Um, and again, don't get crazy and try to like include 10 of these guys in your player pool. But if you find one or two, that you like uh feel free to to throw them in is this just uh, there's about 40 guys heck there's probably about 60 guys priced at 7k or below um it's just crazy how many names you see rolling through here that were like good not that long ago like lanto griffin was pretty good not that long ago um adam long had a spell a couple years back he got kisner down here horrible course fit for kisner don't play him um what's that Charlie Hoffman, Charlie Hoffman, Kevin Chapel. I think Kevin Chapel was injured for a long time. Um, Sung Kang down here. I mean, it's just uh, it's just bringing back memories here for uh, <laughs> for a few years. A lot of red in lineup HQ, though. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom of that page. So, all right, uh, we have not gotten a lot of uh, response in chat for the snake draft. I don't think we probably got enough to fill that. A little bit of a shorter show here tonight with a weak field uh, fall swing event. I mean, you're going to see that with a few of these fall tournaments. Uh, just not uh, not a lot of depth in the field. So ownership's going to concentrate maybe a little bit more than normal uh, on some of those good higher end plays. And, and you know, you're going to have a lot of 0.5% owned guys uh, at the bottom of the list. Anything else that's come across your mind uh, here before we wrap it up? So I was thinking we only had a couple events left, but we got uh, events for the next five or six weeks, including uh, we actually going back to Japan for the Zozo. I'm excited about that. And then uh, there's a tournament in Los Cabos. That'll be fun. So, yeah. yeah we'll, the week uh, it, it, There is one week off after the Zozo, which is a little bit strange. There's one week with no tournament. Um, so we've got the Shriners Children's Open in Vegas next week. That's a common stop this time of year. Then the Zozo in Japan that you mentioned, they've played that in the States the last few years because of COVID, uh, you know, more restrictions in Asia uh, during that time frame. But that's going back to Japan this year. Then a week off, uh, then the tournament in, in Cabo um, and then the Bermuda Championship and then the RSM 
uh, the week before Thanksgiving, which kind of closes things out for, uh, for the year. So um, that will be the schedule up ahead. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think we've pretty much gone through it. I will not have too much trouble getting to a narrow player pool this week, uh, which I always like anyhow. So, all right. Anything else? No, otherwise we'll, uh, we'll call it a wrap. No, thanks for watching. Hop in the discord and uh, good luck this week. All right. Thanks everybody. Appreciate Steve producing behind the scenes for us. Uh, even our head producer, Devin is hanging out in the chat uh, on his night off. So uh, thanks to Devin for hanging out with us and thanks to all of you for watching. Even if you're watching us on playback, we do appreciate it. Thanks for checking the show out. Hit the thumbs up button. If you're watching, help us uh, stay on top of that YouTube algorithm and uh, we'll catch you back here next week. Same time, same place. Good luck in all your lineups this week, everybody. For Noto, I'm Justin, and we'll catch you all later.